Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I am honored to introduce our speaker, our pastor this morning. Pastor Amy is speaking. Um, She's got such a a wonderful heart for this church, and she loves each one of you. So I look forward to hearing how she's going to encourage us this morning. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's nice. Um, Let's just pray together. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people that you've brought to this place, that you've brought to our online service. God, I know that there is something today for them. And so um, I know that your word is alive. And so, God, I pray this morning that um, you would just penetrate our hearts, God, with, with what you want us to hear from you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay. I was going to start a stopwatch, and then it just did something weird, so... Don't worry, I'm faster than some people. (laughs) So in our series, Take the Mark, um, there were just some things that we were excited to share with you about. We've been talking about, uh, you know, the race, living the Christian life, um, running the race set before you. And so we read last week out of Hebrews chapter 12, and I just loved a couple of the thoughts that the race is um, not, not set by us, but for us, right? God sets the race for us. We don't get to choose. Um, But also that thought of like every runner has to bow low or bend low before they start. And I just thought, yeah, that's the starting point for us. You know, so whether you know Jesus yet in a personal relationship, that's okay. We're so glad that you're here, and, and we are crazy about Jesus, so we tend to talk about him a lot, and we want people to know what he can do for you and what he can do for your life. So all this talk about racing kind of brought me down memory lane. So I know it's probably hard to tell right now, but I used to, used to be a runner, used to, used to be an athlete. Um, now I just kind of work on staying in spiritual shape a little better than I than. And I do on staying in physical shape, but I know, I know that's awkward to laugh at. You can. It's okay. It's true. Uh, so I used to run a lot, and I loved relay races. Those were really fun. Like, you know, put me in a 1,500-meter race, and it's pretty boring. You're just running around kind of by yourself. But those relay races were fun and intense. And so maybe it'd be a four-person by 100-meter relay, and you got to pass the baton, and you have your mark, and you have your position. Um, maybe it's an 800 or an eight-person by two, 200 meter. I really loved those moments. And just even thinking about it takes me back to the smell of the Butter Dome in Edmonton where we would go to have our races. And I remember even starting in grade five in junior high, we had this track coach. He was the principal, and he poured so much time into us. Before school, he would let us come into the into the school, in the, and I lived in Saskatoon. It was a brand new school, and the, the school was kind of made in a circle, so we could practice our relay races right in the hallways of the school. It was really fun, um, and I, I just loved those times and loved those races. So all those memories are coming back, but one of the things um, today that I was thinking about is with races, especially relay races, there's, there's like a main rule. One of the main rules is that you have to stay in your own lane. You have to. 
You know, lanes, lanes are helpful. They, they define an exact path. They, they show us the distance for each run. They, they make sure that we stay safe, that we don't trip over things, that we don't bump into people. All of the things that can kind of happen when you veer out of your lane, you can imagine maybe some fail army stuff. Um, those things, lanes, are there for a reason, right? And so in these kinds of races, if you step out of your lane, what happens? You're disqualified. You're disqualified from the race. It doesn't matter how fast you ran. It doesn't matter if you were the first person across the line. If you stepped out of your lane, you would be disqualified. And so with that thought, that's the title of today's message, Stay in Your Lane. Um, if you have your Bible app, I don't think there's many people carrying a paper Bible in the dark anymore. But if you have your Bible app, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It's a letter that Paul is writing. In verse 24, it says, Do you know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I mean, some of you, I know you're not competitive. You're irritating. Like, those of you that are not competitive, come on now. Like, why would you run if you're not going to run in a way that you're going to get the prize? Right? Like, ah, oh, you guys, I don't know, some of you. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You can picture Olympic talk when he's even talking about getting a crown. You get a prize. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There's so much in those verses, I know, um, even just the thought of personal discipline and, and the things we do to grow and to become more like Jesus. But I want to zero in on not running aimlessly and staying in our lane. So one of the things that I think we need to stay in our lane is clarity. Um, clarity on what our assignment is. What is our role? What is our position? What is it that God is asking me to do? Who am I? Who has he created me to be? What kind of gifts has he put inside of me? What, what personality has he put inside of me? What are my desires? What are my dreams? What are the kind of things that I enjoy? When we can kind of zero in on those things, we begin to understand our lane. I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding like, oh, I haven't had a moment with God where he just told me what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. Well, you know what? He doesn't always tell you the exact location of your next job or, or the, the address that your new house is going to be on. But he puts those things in us. And as we walk with him, our lane begins to become defined. And when we walk with him and we ask him, you know, and we tell him even what we might want, we begin to have clarity as we're running the race, as we're living our life. I have a daughter. She's, she's 11. She's going to be nervous here. But I say to her, probably, I want to say daily, but I don't want to lie in front of the microphone. So like, 
six out of seven days of the week, I say, stay in your lane. She'll say to me, like, okay, we're going on a trip. It's seven days away. Um, haven't you packed yet? Have you made arrangements for this? Have you considered this? Have you thought of that? You know, she'll know that we're leaving for the afternoon, and, and she'll say, Mom, shouldn't you be getting ready by now? What time do you need to leave? What are, what are we doing today? And she just kind of micromanaged me in such a way that I, I get exasperated, and I'm like, listen, I'm the mom. I tell you when we're leaving. Smart up. You're not telling me that we're leaving. Stay in your lane. And she'll start to worry about things that are mine to worry about. And I'll just say, like, no, you're not allowed to worry about that. That's my stuff. You don't get to worry about that. Stay in your lane. You're the kid. I'm the mom. I got this. You know, sometimes we have to remind the people around us, like, that's my lane. Back off. <laughs> Maybe it's your kids. They like bossing you around, too. So listen here, girl. I tell you when we're leaving. One time, um, I think it was, like, the middle of December, and I had bought Christmas presents, but my kids inherited this, like, Snoopy gene, and I used to always find out my presents ahead of time and, like, find out where my mom had put them. I probably even unwrapped a few and shook a few, and I loved to tell all my other siblings what they were getting. They were not pleased. Um, but this one year, I was like, I'm going to hide the presents from the kids so they can't figure out what they're getting. And my youngest daughter was getting very concerned. Like, Mom, you haven't even bought any presents yet, have you? Christmas is coming. It's like two weeks away. You're really, Mom, today, don't you want to go Christmas shopping? Mom, I haven't seen you leave the house. Like, I don't really think you're taking care of Christmas presents. And uh, finally, she said to me, Mom, she knew I bought some but I hadn't wrapped them. And so she's like, mom, if you could just at least wrap them, don't you want your friends to know that you're a good mom? <laughs> stay in your lane, stay in your lane. So that's the mom lane, you know? There's other lanes. You can picture your job when there's clarity, when you feel empowered to do the things that, that um, you know, if you have a clear job description, it's empowering, right? You know that you can go ahead. You can do tricky things. You can do new, new things if your lane has been defined. That's why as a leader, giving clarity is really helpful because people are able to run with what you've given them. So clarity is really helpful for ourselves from God as we're leading other people, as the parent. You know, clarity and like this is how we operate in this family. This is how we are. I find with my kids, I have to constantly uh, be telling them as we're getting in and out of a vehicle, as people are coming, as people are leaving, I'm giving them clarity on this is what it means to be a Hanson. This is how you handle difficult um, decisions. This is why we say yes to some things and no to other things. So clarity over our role helps us stay in our lane. And this morning, I don't want to get super deep into it, but you've heard it said before that we all have this grace area. There's a Greek word called metron, and it's this Greek word. Paul uses it to describe the assigned scope of ministry, of grace, and influence within the lines that God has drawn for each and every one of us. So this word, if you, if you study about it, it's this portioned off measure. It's a boundary that has been set and should not be crossed. It's the idea that, that God destines a person to, to a particular measure, to a particular 
gift of grace. And all of us, every leader, every person has this measure that's assigned to, to us to achieve, but it's a measure that, that God has drawn the lines about. So Paul refers to this idea in 2 Corinthians. We're going to go there in a minute. 2 Corinthians 10, and he's, he's kind of confronting some false teachers, and he's saying, listen, back off. You're out of your lane. This is my area. And he explains, guys, you've stepped out of your lane. And so, you know, they were trying to, to exert spiritual authority where it was actually Paul's area. It was his church that he had planted and nurtured. And, and he talks about, we're not... We're not going to boast beyond our measure, but within the limits of the sphere that God has given us, the sphere God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So it's this idea of this grace zone. And so if we apply that into our life, I think we can have clarity in the areas and the things that, that are only for us to do. Basically, it's like um, get in your own lane and stay there. You know, stay in your lane. You're going to find more success there, this sphere. Enjoy your life. Life is way more enjoyable when you are in your own lane, when you're operating in your own grace zone. If you're trying to pretend to be someone else or having to do things that are, that are just not what God has graced you with, you know, um, I'll wait for the next point. Anyways, it, it's, it's this area of a measure of grace, this metron that we've been assigned. And I find a lot of people, they don't know what their God assignment is. They don't know what, what God's asking them to do. And so they just kind of go all over the place. You know, someone invites them here, they're there. There's an opportunity, their kids have been asked to do this or that. Without these clear lanes, we can just kind of veer aimlessly and never really run the race, never really get to the places that God wants us to get in our character, in who we are, and the things he wants us to accomplish to do. So we need to get in our own lane, not trying to be someone else, not trying to make decisions based on what our friends are doing, um, not trying to be led outside of our grace zone. So if you think of parenting, I think sometimes, you know, when we don't have clarity on who we want to be, we let our kids kind of do the winding, right? And sometimes they lead us and wind us right out of the lane that would actually be the best for us. Joyce Myers um, writes and talks about this. She's like, why do people keep trying to be good at things they're not good at? I could say it to you, but it's going to be better if someone else is lecturing you like a grandma. Why do you keep trying to do things you're not good at? You know, I remember telling my sister as a young kid, like, why do you want to be friends with the people that don't want to be friends with you? Why are you trying to be an athlete when you're a perfect piano player? Like, stop it. You're not good at baseball. You're blind in one eye. You don't have coordination. The baseball hits you in the head. When you ride your bike, you hit a side mirror. You smash somebody's brake lights because you can't see not a bike rider. You're a singer. You're a piano player. You love people. You're so good at so many things. Why are you trying to be like them? Why are you trying to be good at everything everybody else is good at? If you're a two at something, you can struggle all your life and maybe become a four. But if you're an eight at something and you work at that and you focus, God can probably make you a 10 real quick, right? I, I like how she says it that way. The way to stand out is not to be halfway and maybe be a little bit decent at 20 things, 
But how about those two or three things that you're really good at? You're really gifted at. You've poured yourself into these things. Become outstanding at those things. You know, if if you're tone deaf, it's probably not going to be your thing to play electric guitar. So work hard at the other things that God has gifted you in. Maybe you've got a gift of leadership and organization. Work at those things. Don't be decent at just 20 things, but take a couple of those things and become outstanding. You don't have to do what everybody else does. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The human body has many parts. This is verse 12 as well. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. We've come from all these different walks of life, he's saying. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And then it just gets more obvious, you guys, right? Like, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or your whole body were an ear, would you smell anything? But I think we have to take this really practically, apply it to ourselves, apply it to our family and our children, and be like, yeah, you make a terrible ear. But man, your eyes, they see things, you know? We have to be able to say, okay, I'm this. Clarity helps us understand. So we need to stay in our metron. We need to stay in our lane. And with that, sometimes God, he gives us an assignment. You know, he gives us a position. He gives us a role, whether it be in our workplace or our home or church where we serve. He assigns the lane. He gives us those assignments. Sometimes we actually don't want to be there, but it's not up to us, right? I remember um, as a young adult, I was just passionate. God had really worked in my heart very deeply what he was asking of me. And, it, and he had to do a deep work in my heart for me to say yes because I, I didn't think I can. And so once I said yes, I started, you know, doing the next thing that he put in front of me. And I found myself working at, as an optician um, in a doctor's office, optometrist's office, selling glasses. And it just felt like super disappointing, guys, because God had given me like, I mean, this was way before we knew we were planting a church, but he'd put these dreams in my heart, and I'm thinking, I don't, I don't want to be here. Like, you told me, God, that I was going to be in ministry, and it was going to look like this, so I'm just kind of complaining to him, why am I here? And he clearly spoke to me in that moment and said, I didn't tell you that's where your paycheck was coming from right now. And that was like a light switch for me. Okay, I'm still going to do the things that God's put in my heart to do. I'm going to walk in the lanes he's given me, the places he's given me to serve at my church, the way he's given me a position at my work. I'm going to stay in those lanes. I didn't like it, but I think sometimes that, that clarity where like, I've put you here. I've put you here. Well, then we can, we can carry on even when it's kind of negative culture. We can carry on when the pay is is not really what we expected it to be. So um, clarity and God giving us our assignment really helps. So I want us to know we can have clarity to stay in the lane. Um, 
And it, it's just our assignment. It's not our job to determine the lane. We have to stay in that grace zone and the boundaries that he sets for us. And if you think about, you know, just driving a vehicle, when you veer out of your lane, you cause a wreck. You know, maybe sometimes you get lucky. But our lives are the same way. There's, there's reasons why we're told to stay in our lane. When you cross over into your coworker's lane or your spouse's lane, you cause some trouble. You know, sometimes you create more problems. It re, it's, it's like creating more problems for you. So we need to know what our lane is and stay in it and not let, not let the temptations of the world take us out of that lane. When there's clarity... I know um, Pastor Travis always talks about, like, I, I, he says, I never got into a lot of trouble as a teenager and a young adult because I just knew the things that God was asking of me. I knew that I didn't want to, you know, hurt people in relationship. I, didn't, I knew that I didn't want to mess around with, with all the things that, that looked fun but were actually sin, were actually outside of God's boundaries because he just had a sense of clarity over who God was was. Um, who he had designed him to be and what he was calling him to do. So even as parents, trying to navigate those conversations with our kids, you know, it's actually not, well, you can be anything you want to be. What do you want to be when you grow up? That's not really true. Like, you can be those things, yeah, if you have the right amount of money or if you, if you have these things, but where you're actually going to enjoy life is in your metron, in your grace zone, doing the things that God has gifted, called you, assigned you to do. So have those conversations with your kids and your family. When you see, you know, that there's gifts on their life, maybe put, put some money there. Put some time there to help develop those things. So clarity helps us stay in our lane. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's another thing that helps us stay in our lane. Don't compare. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We don't dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. He was talking to the, to the people there. Um, it's just worth taking a minute to kind of stop and think about that. You know, I think that's that's a struggle for us these days is just we compare ourselves and we measure ourselves with others. And the Bible is clear here. It's not wise. You know, our boasting should only be within the sphere that, that God has assigned us. So we should never measure, you know, our God-given assignment against someone else's assignment. Want, we should never want what they have. Want to be who they are. Because the lanes are designated, and your lane is for you, and their lane is for them. So we can't be comparing or contrasting ourselves. Stay in your lane. Run your race. Finish your course. You can be inspired by other people. You can learn from other people. You can be encouraged from other people. You can appreciate other people. You can admire other people. You know, there's lots of people that I've, that I've picked up on, I've grown on because of their input in my life. But only imitate others to the degree that they imitate Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, And you 
should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. How many of us have ever struggled with just trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know? We want to be like them. We, we don't actually want their troubles. We just want their stuff. We want the appearance of what looks perfect. But we can't be comparing ourselves. We can't fall into the comparison trap. Um, so, you, you know, you think about it a race. If I'm just going to fix my eyes on the next person, I'm not going to run my race properly. In, in relay training, you're trained. You don't look back. You don't look to the side. You fix your eyes forward. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because when we look at ourselves and we look at other people, we're going to just fall. We're going to fall behind. We're going to um, make our circumstances, make our situation bigger than God. When we look at him, he's bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our situation. Lots of times throughout the Bible you can see that um, there were people that, that either looked at themselves or looked at God. In Numbers chapter 13, if you remember, there's 12 spies and and they're on this mission to survey the land, and their, their job is to come back and say, you know, can we take the land? And when they came back, 10 of those men were intimidated by the opponents. They were intimidated by what they saw in the land because they were only focusing on the size of the people, how strong they appeared. You know, it, seemed, it just seemed impossible to conquer the promised land when they looked at the, the giants, when they looked at the people. It was impossible. And so... Um, you could see how they felt about themselves because in chapter 13, verse 33, it says, we felt as small as grasshoppers. How many of you kids, how small is a grasshopper? It's pretty small, right? They went into the land, yep, just that small, and they're like, we just feel as small as grasshoppers. They, they weren't fixing their eyes on God and the things that he had said. But Caleb and Joshua, they came back and they had put their eyes on something else. They didn't see themselves as grasshoppers and their enemies as giants. Instead, they saw all that God had done for them previously. We need to remember those things. We need to fix our eyes on those things. Same with David and Goliath. If David had only looked at the giant... You know, he had better armor. He had better equipment. He was huge. His muscles were bigger. He liked his hair color better. He was more handsome. He had a nicer voice. But Goliath, um, Goliath was big and scary, and David felt small. But David just knew that God had asked him to do something. He knew who he was. And so we have to remember not to be comparing ourselves to other people, and I think that's really hard these days with social media. You know, parents, ah, I'm not even going to go there. But when, when a kid's value, in their formative years, their value is being formed by what people think about them, what they say about them. And their eyes become all kind of focused on themselves and other people. Somebody looks better in a bathing suit. Somebody had more fun. Somebody was invited at a party. Sometimes as a parent... It's okay to just say, we're not, we're not going in that lane. Our family, we're not, we're not doing those things. You know, you can make, obviously, we're all adults. We can make a decision. But I want to tell you, I sit down across the table from a lot of families and a lot of teenagers who've been hurt and broken from the comparison trap on social media. 
You as a parent need to get in your lane and parent if your kid's on social media. That was free. As an adult, summer was kind of hard, you know? We're in lockdown. We're not supposed to go anywhere. We get bad weather. And then there's one week. It's 30 degrees. You guys, I never had a pool. And I never had a dugout. And everybody else on Facebook and Instagram did. And they went to cool places. And they went to BC where the water was clear. (laughs) And we had to swim in slime dirt water in the rivers and the creeks. But but it's hard, right? Because I'm tempted to compare. Like, oh... We don't have a pool. I know it sounds dumb, but it was a pretty big deal to me. And I kept looking to buy one, but none would come in on time. And I couldn't afford the ones I wanted. But but that comparison trap, sometimes we just got to hop off of there and be thankful for what we have. And you know what? I posted pictures of horse riding, and some of you were like, I don't have a horse. Poor me. What am I going to do, right? Well, we share and we, we... offer gratitude, and and we just have to hop off of that comparison trap. It's not healthy to us. We need to stay in our lane. So if we're going to run our race, we have to have clarity, and we we can't compare. We have to stay in our metron. And then the last thing is we need to conduct ourselves in a way that's honorable. When you're in a race, you don't just get to do whatever you want. You know, you don't get to wear whatever you want. You don't get to wear your favorite shoes. You don't get to wear a clown outfit and a wig. Uh, There's certain parameters about how a racer, how an athlete has to conduct themselves. So that word conduct is, it's like our manner, the manner in which we behave. Um, It's our, our behavior, our performance, our habits, our actions, the things we do, the things we say, our activities. So when you're in a race, there's guidelines. And when we stay within the lines, we don't hurt people, and we don't hurt ourselves. Um, you know, maybe if you have a new driver, I've got a couple drivers, teenage drivers in my house, and for the first, first few days and weeks and months, it's like, stay in your lane. You know, every time they make a turn, they want to act like they're a big truck driver, and as trucks are coming, it's just, especially in the dark, it's, it's hard to learn how to stay in your lane when you're driving, right? So we give them some clues, like, you know, if you look to the white on the right-hand side when it's driving in the dark or the snow, those kind of things can help you. You, got, you don't actually follow the tracks of all the foolish drivers who made tracks here and there. Find your lane. Don't just, don't just follow all the people who aren't thinking. Um, so that lane, the more you drive, the more you get experience. You don't even have to think about staying in those boundaries, right? But staying in your lane can be a matter of life and death. And so when you're in a race, it's not, just, it's not just that you can't go out of your lane. You would be disqualified if you touched the line. You know, so you're not going to want to run right beside the lane line because you, if you touch it, you're going to be disqualified. Same with us. You know, there's certain boundaries that God has put in place. And he said, here's a boundary line. It's to keep you safe. But he's not expecting us to nudge right up next to it and, like, get as close to it as we can because those kind of things disqualify you. Those kind of things hurt people. They break relationship when we're, um, well, whatever. 
sin. When we sin, we break the Ten Commandments. When we, when we do the things that we know, you know, are wrong or we don't do the things that are right, we come up to that line. And so this morning, I want to just encourage us how we behave, how we become more like Jesus is important. I know because I used to kind of live my life with like, okay, I know, I know all that God has for me and all the things he asked me is over here, but I just kind of want one foot over here. And so I would kind of live one foot this way and one foot that way. That's a hard place to be. You know, that's, that's a really difficult place to be, especially when you know there's something better. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And I think sometimes we forget, but at the end of the race, there is a judge. We all face judgment for how we ran. Everybody has to face the judge at the finish line. And in, in the last letters that Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says, I fought the good faith. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there it is laid up for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance. And I think, you know, it has to be said, we all kind of suck at racing. We're not that good at it, but lucky for us, you know, Jesus, at the end of that race, we can have his score. We can have his time. If, we, if we've been disqualified, he will allow us to take his qualification. But we have to choose him. We have to choose him. We have to bend our will to him. And so we're not, again, like we said, we're not moralists. It's not about, oh, we, we're going to keep all these rules. But there is safety in obedience. There is joy in following Jesus. He said, I've come life, that you'd have life to the full, more and better life than you even imagined. You know, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, I haven't looked back. It's been a better life. But there's boundaries. There's boundaries that help us stay in relationship with other people and with him. And so as we close this morning, I want us to just consider, you know, the three things that we talked about. Maybe you need clarity this morning for the things that God has asked you to do for your grace zone. Maybe you have been comparing or maybe, you know, you just know, okay, I'm, I'm falling short. The Bible says I've missed the mark. I need Jesus. I need to make a change in my life. And so um, we're just going to close this service. You guys can stand with me. I'm going to ask Tyson to come. And uh, we're not going to sing another song today. I'll just have the guys play, play a song, but Jesus is, is willing to give us everything that he has and everything that he is. God, I just pray in this place this morning that there be clarity in your people to what you've called each one of us to. Lord, we thank you that you have promised that you are the head and, and we're the body. You're the, you're the vine and we're the branches, Lord. So we thank you that it doesn't all rest on us alone, God rest in that assurance, but we, we are confident of the fact, Lord, that you want to use each one of us, and we just pray that in this moment that you would help us to, to see where that is. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.